Hey everybody, we know right now at this point in the episode, you'd normally be listening to us goof off about something stupid, and uh, that's not happening right now. Uh, We just wanted to say before we get into today's episode that we do deal with some heavier topics, Uh, nothing gets too bad or descriptive, but we do have a couple discussions about things like consent and torture, so if you're particularly sensitive to some of those things, you might want to be careful listening to this episode, or maybe skip it. Like I said, nothing gets too graphic, but if it's particularly triggering for you, you just might want to avoid it because more than anything, we care about the mental health and safety of our listeners and we don't want you to feel uncomfortable at all. So make sure that you're thinking about that as you listen to this episode. And if not, that's okay. And don't worry, we talk about fun stuff in this one too. So it's it's lighthearted. It's a little dark at times. It's a big old mixed bag like D&D. So give it a shot. Thanks. Welcome to Arcane Explained, the podcast where we cover every Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition spell alphabetically, but not today. Today, we are going on a side quest. My name's Matt. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Lewis. On today's side quest, we will be discussing morality and magic. So, what exactly is a side quest, and what are we doing? Well, that's a good question. Side quests, to those who are unfamiliar with it, are uh, kind of something that just not distracts, but takes away from the main path. So let's say you're on a linear story and somebody comes up to you and is like, hey, can you do this thing that totally has nothing to do with that other thing that you were doing? And then you go do that thing, but then you get to come back. That's a side quest. You have them in Dungeons and Dragons. You have them in video games. And sometimes they can be really distracting and you can just have a never ending chain of side quests. But don't worry, we won't do that to you. Absolutely. Yeah, we're not. This is not a, a fetch quest. Uh, today we're tackling what happens when you look at magic from a moral perspective, when there are solid rights and wrongs. Not when morality is subjective, but when certain things are right and certain things are wrong. Alright, so I guess do we want to start with the obvious, which would be the school of necromancy? Maybe if we set up some parameters. Um, one of the things I was doing in my research was are there other people out there who have set up like maybe a rigid morality in their system? And in the Dresden Files, there is a group of wizards that are known as wardens, and they have a very rigid code. And if you disobey it, uh, they can scatter your exi- like every particle in your being across the cosmos. Uh, it's not a pleasant thing. But um, one of the people that on Unearth Arcana published a arcane tradition called the Warden, and that is by Cecily the Bard. And I'm just going to read what, what they started it off with. These are the laws of the wardens. And if you want to be a warden, you have to live by these laws. And I think this is kind of a good idea of, of what this person thinks right and wrong is regarding magic. Thou shalt never kill a sentient creature with magic unless it is in self-defense and necessary. Thou shalt not manipulate the physical form of another creature against its permission. Thou shalt not mold the mind of others. Thou shalt not conjure the lower and outer planes. Thou shalt not draw the dead from their rest. 
Thou shalt not attempt to rewrite the waves of time. Thou shalt not write curses, hexes, jinx, or spellbind magic which might hurt innocence. Like in the class to give people freedom, they say these rules do not apply to all wardens. Some wardens merely work on a case-by-case basis, but I mean, I like these laws. I feel like they establish what these people perceive as wrong and right, and we can branch out from there because not everybody will see conjuring the lower or outer planes as exactly evil. I know, I know that that's like a vow that you take, like a monk or something, but that feels very iRobot, like the laws of robotics type of thing, and I don't know why that, but that's what it made me think of. It, it definitely has that vibe. I can see that. Yeah. It gave me the impression of, like, the Ten Commandments, because of all the thou shall nots. <laughs> yeah, very old and speak. Yeah. So I think it's a really neat idea to have an established, like, this is what's wrong, this is what's right, because otherwise everything is just, like, wishy-washy and like well you know technically it's not blah blah blah. you know you could just go anywhere with it i think that's something that gets brought up in media a lot like the idea of whether it's the actual magic itself or how you use it and things like that i know that that's sort of like the force like in, in star wars you know like maybe you use the lightning which is associated with sith but maybe if you're doing it in self-defense then it's it's not bad and it's it's a gray area and the whole gray jedi and i think like harry potter has some similar stuff to that too of like especially with your like forbidden spells the three that are like really bad i can't think of what they're called right now unforgivable curses unforgivable curses thank you your avada kedavra your crucio and your imperiatus thank you i don't know why i can never remember that i am i'm a bad harry potter fan no you're not kind of makes me think of that as far as like having those preordained things and i think that that's something that could be really interesting with your world building as a dm like does your world have these sorts of things that are considered laws or, or regulations or or is that something that you let the the care the people decide on a pace, case-by-case basis i mean there is a lot that can be said about well in a society if you're in your setting if if zombies and skeletons are true neutral beings like they don't possess any malice they are mindless creatures they are husks and without a necromancer They can be mildly dangerous. And so in a setting like that, maybe raising the dead is not evil. But if we look at more specifically necromancy, is necromancy an evil school? It gets that, I think, because of flavor. I think a lot there are spells in it. Uh, WebDM did a wonderful series on like breaking down the schools that are in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. And one of the points they made is that sometimes they put curses and other spells in necromancy to give it that necromantic flavor and i feel like if you want to embrace that kind of uh sorcerer not sorcerer but wizard specifically then the necromancy is definitely a way to go but i feel like okay so if you look at the player's handbook in the back they have like a skeleton they have zombies they have i believe they also have uh they have the imp and the quasit as like these are things that low-level wizards can summon either a conjuration wizard or a necromancy wizard And all of those creatures are evil. And if we think about where they come from, they come from places of where evil is not just like this abstract concept. I mean, these are beings that are the definition of evil. And not in this kind of subjective, kind of knowing clear cut, like this is in a black box of evil. And I feel like you're pulling forth an evil being from its, its natural habitat and putting it in the prime material plane, a place where it should not exist. And in my opinion, that is an evil act. Specifically, rules is written. Like, pulling forth 
an evil creature of any CR challenge rating. Does not matter how powerful the creature is. What you are doing is violating ancient laws because there is a reason why imps and quasits and the dead stay dead because when they come out, there are demons of undeath and they control undead creatures and they infuse their evil essence with those creatures. And so in that regard, it doesn't necessarily mean raising a zombie I mean, also summoning a demon is, in my book, as evil as bringing forth a zombie. And I think that kind of also goes hand in hand with the intent, too, because, like, thinking about, like, the school of necromancy, like, when you think of necromancy, like, I think most people automatically think of zombies and and skeletons and things like that, but there's really not a whole lot of difference between animate dead and revivify, if you think about it. They're both necromancy spells. They both bring life to something, but Animate Dead is more about the intention of using an undead servant to do something, whereas Revivify is actually about returning the soul to the body. But they're both third-level necromancy spells. So that's really fascinating to me that, like, it it really is about, like, what it is, like... And and then that that becomes, like, what is inherently evil. Like you said, like, imps and demons and things like that, like, obviously. But is a zombie inherently evil, or is it evil because... You cast that spell on it, and now it's a mindless thing that's just trying to attack whatever you told it to. It's all based on interpretation, and I mean, like like I said, I mean, like the flavor text for necromancy is: you are a wizard who has learned to manipulate and control the for- the forces of life and death. Like you manipulate those forces, and that is why, like every resurrection spell, is a necromancy spell in this in this edition. The other thing is, is like if we break down all the schools. For me, the School of Enchantment, I think, has the most potential for evil. And I have it written down, the actual flavor text. It's on page 117 of the Player's Handbook. As a member of the School of Enchantment, you have honed your ability to magically entrance and beguile other people and monsters. Some enchanters are peacemakers who bewitch the violent to lay down their arms and charm the cruel into showing mercy. Others are tyrants who magically bind the unwilling into their service. Most enchanters fall somewhere in between. And the essence of enchantment is literally, I am taking away your free will, period. And you're going to do what I say. Now, whether I want, I have the best of intentions, like it says, with the violent and cruel to lay down their weapons. Well, they're not doing it because they want to be good people and help society. They're doing it because you commanded it. And to me, the, the, the wizard that uses that those abilities in that way is no different than the tyrant that makes people kill their own family, their own friends. In my, in my own personal beliefs outside of D&D, the worst thing a human can do to another human is take away their free will. And so I feel like that's more evil than zombies and demons even. Right. And, and let's, let's look at some of the, even the lower level enchantment spells like friends, which is a cantrip. You know, it may seem innocent, but you're like Matt's point is that you're putting your will or you're changing someone uh, in the in the sense that you're making them do what you want them to do. And then something also like the spell uh, suggestion, I believe, is also uh, an enchantment spell. And so it may seem innocent, you know, and I'm sure those spells are used probably most often or, you know, I'm sure there's others as well. But, you know, it may seem innocent, like you're just trying to uh, convince the uh, merchant to give you a discount so you cast suggestion on them and you know it kind of helps you get what you want but there's so many ways that you can use that spell and it's a slippery slope for sure i also would like to state that 
while D&D can be fun and and you get to explore some different themes, I also want to point out that that's what, I mean, it's fun about having these discussions is if you question these things and you think about these things, I personally think they make you a better person outside of like arguing about whether or not magic is special. But just if you have a power to point out that something is wrong or something isn't right, that's just a good example of how in the day-to-day life we can use that power. But as wizards, I feel like the temptation, and also sorcerers even more so, but like, okay, side tangent, the Umbrella Academy on Netflix, there's a, I don't know the name of the character, but she has this power, and when she says, I heard a rumor, and then she finishes it up, I heard a rumor you shot your friend in the foot, and then the person does it. And she realized later on in life that she used that power without even thinking about it. She used it to keep her toddler from crying and to put on her clothes. And she took away the one person that she never like thought she would ever hurt in any way. She took away that one person's free will. And I like how that show explores that and like the repercussions of that. And I think if we look at today's world and today's society, it's full of horrible things. And then if you add on top of that, magic i feel like you don't have to go too far to imagine if a young person was suddenly able to cast magic like they maybe they went through a fairy circle and accidentally stepped into the feywild and then they came back and because of the way it works they don't remember it but they have all these powers now and when they talk to people about what something they want that person just does it for them and at first it's like their mother or their father or their sister or their brother or their friends and they don't think too much about it and then before they know it, everybody in the village is doing their bidding. And this person didn't even consciously think about it. They just had this unknown experience, and now they have these powers. And I can't help but think that some people would be tempted by that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's a real test of character is what you do with those things like that. And it is scary to think about like children having things like that because they're not always as developed. And so it's really easy for them to just use things on a whim. But I, I think in the hands of the right people, it could be good and useful, but it's a delicate balance. That also makes me think of like a reverse Ella Enchanted. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, I mean, that's what, what we are drawn to in, in these stories. I mean, if you think about the actual legend of Hercules, it's pretty brutal. And you're like, yeah, that guy needed to go do all those quests because, you know, he did some bad stuff. But the reason why I think we as a species are drawn to these stories is we want to believe that the best of us, the people who have been gifted extraordinary abilities, will use those abilities for the betterment of all. I mean, there's so many good examples of that, but I, I think that's also what draws people to playing D&D is this idea of like being a champion of justice or this true hero. Yeah, everybody wants to be the hero in D&D. Well, maybe not everybody. You have your murder hobos, but most people want to be the hero. So I think you're onto something there. Yeah. I, I will say too, like, because we haven't talked about it much, we kind of jumped right into enchantment and like some of the other schools. I feel like anything that is designed for torture or can be seen as a form of torture or can be used as a form of torture that kind of lends itself to the evil spectrum, you know, any of these spells. And I mean, it, I mean, it goes down to like, like all the way down to like how you use fireball, way you use it. But, but I mean, I feel like those are like the obvious, I, I really think when it gets down to it, it's when it's like the wishes, the enchantments, even illusion to some degree, 
even divination, if you think about it, you can if you know a little bit about someone, you can then find them and watch them and figure out what they're doing. I mean, personally, if you got an evil wizard in your campaign, you need to give him divination spells because when he starts monologuing at the heroes and they're like, wait a minute, how does this, this guy know all this? Then you can be like, you know all those saving throws I've had you guys rolling for the last couple of months? And, I, and you're like, why? What are we doing? And you get all paranoid. And I tell you, don't worry about it. Because this is what was going on. I think sometimes, too, just like the concept of power can be enough to frighten people and make them do what you want. Because if they know that you have the power to hurt them, if they know that you have the power to do things, they'll be afraid of you. And you don't even necessarily have to do anything. Like, going back to divination for a moment, you can just tell them, like, if you get a glimpse of the future or something that they're hiding or something like that, and you can prove it to them one time, that person might be paranoid about you for the rest of their life, and you can use that as a way to manipulate things. So even just the concept of having magic can be really frightening and evil, again, depending on how you use it. Like, if you choose to lord that power over somebody, it can get really dark really quick, and that in itself can be a form of torture. Yeah. I mean, I think, though, like, when it comes down to it, I'm sure we could, the three of us could all agree that imposing your will on somebody else or something else is generally not a cool thing to do. <laughs> I mean, don't you think that that's like a, could be a baseline? I mean, that kind of gets into a, a touchy conversation about like the idea of like consent and things like that, which can get really touchy. So I think that that is definitely a good, bo good borderline for something like that. Right. Well, those themes are explored in like characters like Professor X of the X-Men and the Purple Man in Jessica Jones and like and they're usually people who literally can take over someone's brain. That's these but these themes come up in those comic books as well. And I think also violating the laws of nature could be a good baseline like and what I mean by that is is life and death. And and once again, this is like outside of the game. When you're playing the game, if you want to cast suggestion on the bad guy and you suggest that he shoves the sword up his butt, it's funny, it's fun, it's lighthearted. We're going a step beyond that and we're saying in, in a world like ours, a real world, with, with its own laws and its own mores, how would society handle magic? And that's kind of what we were looking at it. So don't think that we don't think that, I mean, we've all cast suggestion and we've all, you know, done that in a game where you do things like that. But this is fun to think about in a kind of like in this kind of like an ethics class on magic. Plus, it's a lot easier to do that in concept when you're not actually doing it. Like, don't don't get me wrong. D&D &D feels very real to me. And I love it. But it's a lot easier to do that when you're not literally talking to the guard that you're trying to kill. So I think I think it's easier to explore things like this and to do maybe more manipulative things when there's not real world consequences, even though sometimes it might feel real. Mm hmm. And I mean, as DMs, I feel like within reason, you can always interject reality. I mean, what happens to that guard when he goes to his commander and basically says, yeah, I, I let the prisoners out and I don't really know why. Maybe certain spells, the person doesn't know that they're under the influence. You know, I mean, like some of the spells say the person knows they've been messed with. And so like, that's a good example of like, oh yeah, uh, the bard used one of their enchantment spells on someone and it you know it was fun for a while but then that person like realized what was going on and they lost their cool i mean i feel like that's a good way to show people like that your world is a little bit more real than fantasy 
Yeah, consequences are an important part of D&D, and you can technically play it without them, but it's a much more interesting and complex world if you have those consequences, because that's exactly what you have in real life. Yeah, I agree. One of the places on on my setting, uh, uh, there's a country that has suffered greatly at the hands of magic uh, and those that wield it. It's almost exactly the same as like the Dragon Age setting, but with slight differences. But the point of it is, is that from some people, it looks like overreactions. And from others, it looks justified. And I feel like incorporating those elements into a setting makes it feel more real. Like, oh, you know, if wizards go through this town and they start casting things on fire or making the citizens do things with, you know, against their will... I feel like eventually people are going to get sick of it and then they're not going to be happy and they're going to react violently probably. And and that's basically kind of how this nation went about it. It's just now anybody that can use magic is, is basically kept in prisons. I personally think it's an overreaction, but that's the point. It's to create conflict in the story. Yeah. And um, I wanted to go back to something like when we talked about Abidazim's Horrid Wilting, I believe we were having this little discussion where... Basically, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Matt said that that spell is no more evil than like casting an eighth level fireball spell and like, you know, and then doing awful things with the said fireball spell, like burning down an orphanage. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong. I, what I meant by that is, is if we're, li- okay, if we're in the woods and you set off Abi Dalzim's horde wilting, you're killing the grass, you're killing the trees, you're killing birds, you're killing insects, you're killing everything in that space right. in a horrible way. But also, if you do the same thing with a fireball, in essence, you're burning the grass, you're burning the trees, you're burning the insects. I mean, right. I feel like in that regard, it, but I mean, let's be honest, if you were a good aligned creature, uh, and you have to kill something, I feel like you would either do it as humanely as possible, and Abi Dalzim's horrid wilting is not that. Yeah, I was going to say, it kind of goes back to the torture idea. Like, technically, like it's probably either way, but in my mind, Fireball would be the more humane version of that, because in theory, you could just get them over with and end it, whereas Abi Dalzim's horrid wilting would be more likely to leave them, you know, dried out and feeling horrible and disgusting if they're still alive. Again, it can be semantics when you get to like how you use it, what level you use it. But in theory, it sounds like Abidazim's hard wilting would be more of a torturous thing and therefore, quote unquote, more likely to lend itself to evil than, say, fireball. Take a drink of water, audience. I'm about to mention Critical Role. Spoilers for Critical Role Season 1. I think uh, Marisha Ray on a panel once, someone asked her a question about certain spells that she took. And her response was, I did not take spells like. And I want to say she used Blight, for example. And this is before she used it on... She used it on Raishan, uh, the green uh, dragon, during the Con- Chroma Conclave arc. And she talked about how she wouldn't have chosen that spell earlier because of Keyleth's alignment and her... Like, there are certain spells that Keyleth just wouldn't ever think of using because of who she is as an individual. And I think that's an interesting thing to do as a player, is that if, say, for example, you're a lawful good wizard, you might not believe in killing anything and so one of the spells you're looking forward to getting is like Odaluk's resilient sphere in which case when you go after something you put it in that and then you take it to somewhere where it can be properly bound if it's a demon it gets sent back to hell you know all those things like most of your spells will be offensive and capture base versus kill yeah so my original point was just to say that like using certain spells doesn't necessarily make you evil 
like using a necromancy spell, as we said, all of the uh, spells that bring a person back to life are necromancy. So, like, in that sense, like, using those spells doesn't make you evil as a character. I could argue that some spells themselves might be inherently evil, like we were talking about with summoning of demons. There are a few that you could make the case for. I would say the classes of magic, or the schools of magic as a whole, you can't say that they are evil because, like, the necromancy thing, some are good, some are bad, maybe. It depends on how you use it. But I think there are a few, kind of like how we were talking about with the imps and the demons and things like that. You could make an argument that that individual spell is inherently evil. Well, one of the things I said at the beginning when we started talking about this was, like, summoning evil creatures. I, I mean, if in your setting, undead are the alignment it says in the monster manual or in the back of the player's handbook, then summoning or conjuring an skeleton or a zombie is an evil act. However, if you're setting dead creatures, like low-level dead, we're not talking about wraiths, revenants, things like that, just like ghosts, skeletons, and zombies, basic undead, are neutral, right? So then a society of necromancers might use them in remedial tasks, uh, cannon fodder, like those are the infantry of the army, is just a bunch of skeletons, and then things like that. But I, I feel like if you open a, a a good example is Gate. Gate's a very powerful spell that basically opens a portal to a, a plane of existence in which you call forth a being from that plane of existence, and it can be a pretty powerful being. And if you use that spell to call forth, let's say, like, you know, one of the demon lords, you know, that's a good example of, like, unleashing evil, uh, like, pure evil. It, you could also just summon a lower-level demon but its purpose, its only reason to exist is to create chaos, a demon anyway, and fear and torture. And so I would argue that like enchantment and conjuration, I feel like there's a slippery slope of like, I'm just doing it for good reasons. Like we really need to defeat this evil army and I can summon a creature that can do it pretty quickly. Or I really just need this orc warlord to put down his arms and order his other orcs to do the same and then they leave. And nobody dies, right? Like, I get it. And in a game, it's easier, I think, for the the player playing the good-aligned wizard to stay on that path. But if, if you want to, I mean, like, my point being is if this was real and you had these powers, I feel like those moral quandaries, it'd be easier to suddenly be like, I cast friends on people when I first meet them unconsciously. I mean, it's a cantrip. I think some of that, too, goes to the idea of, like, perspective, because, like, the idea of, you know, maybe the orc warlord setting down their axe so people don't die does seem inherently good, I will admit that. But every villain is the hero of their own story, so depending on what they want, they might think in their mind that that demon lord that they're summoning is going to save everybody. So I think that is an interesting way to look at it, too, of like, maybe their intent technically is good, and it's it's hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah. It is a fun mental exercise to think about these things. And to question, you know, right and wrong and whether or not this type of magic or this spell could be considered evil or at the least, it's definitely not something a lawful good wizard would use, if you know what I'm saying. Here's an interesting thing that I just noticed. Um, So power word kill, which is a, you know, I guess you could say famous spell. It's ninth level, but it's an enchantment spell. And, you know, I find that really interesting that you know, some of these enchantment spells, and, and this goes back to your point, Matt, is they could very well be seen as evil, you know, in a lot of ways. I would argue that the, the school that's probably the least evil is abjuration. And the main reason why is it's mainly about 
protection and defense. Like if you were going to do like a Harry Potter analog, abjuration would be defense against the dark arts. Yeah, because it literally says the school of abjuration emphasizes magic that blocks, banishes, or protects. So most of that is is relatively just the idea of preventing things happening, which in itself is hard to argue is inherently evil. I, I could see the banishing part of it, depending on how things work, could be warped. Well, you could cast the ninth level abjuration spell, Imprisonment, which you create a magical restraint to hold a creature that you see within range. And that's, I'm just going to stop there, because the spell lasts until it is dispelled. It is one of those things where you can basically put someone to sleep for all time. This is what put Sleeping Beauty to sleep, that kind of thing. It was an imprisonment enchantment. It, all that kind of magic is, is basically very powerful. And it's designed to, like, you could you could argue, I put it, I put this demon in an imprisonment spell, under an imprisonment spell. That's good. Well, you know, my enemy was this king, and he had this daughter, and so, like, I, I, you know, to get revenge, I put her under an imprisonment spell. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, it could be used either way. Yeah. There's a... God, there's so many, like, just different things with all of these spells. Like, every spell that you, you take almost, like, you could look at it from either way, and it's... That is so fascinating to me, and so every t- I think we take them for granted a lot, especially people who maybe don't play spellcasters, who just have like friends that cast it. They're like, "Yeah, no, that's a cool spell. It saved it, saved the day, whatever." But when you you can get so nitpicky about it, and I think it's very important for players that play spellcasters and DMs to have these discussions because a DM might have his own ideas about how magic works in their setting and like how the world perceives magic casters and and those are things that you definitely want to know before you show up to session one how does your dm feel about certain spells and how do they feel especially schools like enchantment and illusion you definitely want to incorporate your dm because there's a lot of room for interpretation of how the spell uh, is goes into effect and how people interact with the spell so it's definitely definitely something to think about yeah that's a good point Well, I hope that you all liked our first side quest. Um, It was really fun for us to talk about, and we've been wanting to do something like this for a while now. So thanks for listening to this episode of Arcane Explained. You can follow us at Arcane Explained on Twitter, and you can follow me at Casting Cantrips. You can email us your questions, suggestions, and comments at arcaneexplained at gmail.com. You can follow me at Kirsten Geddes, that's K-I-R-S-T-E-N-G-E-D-D-S on Twitter. You can follow our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash arcane explain. We also have an Instagram, that's instagram.com forward slash arcane underscore explained. We have a Tumblr, arcaneexplained.tumblr.com. And of course, a Pinterest, pinterest.com forward slash arcane explained. A website where you can find show notes and give us some feedback. That's arcaneexplained.wordpress.com. And we would love it if you give us a review. Reviews are the best way for us to get the word out about the show. So if you use iTunes or any other platform that allows you to leave a review and or a rating, we would really appreciate that. We love hearing feedback from you guys and encouragement, of course. So just anything you can give us, we love it. We feed off of it. So anyways... Thank you guys for journeying with us on this side quest. The next time you have a moral quandary about a spell, you'll be casting with confidence. Bye!
<laughs> Those levels looking sexy. I took a drink of water. Cool. Once you start, once you like, okay. I mean, I, I, I mean. I. And to, to put. <laughs> uh, she. Uh, sorry, I'm. Uh, the door just opened. I'm cl- and it closed. So I'm gonna start over. Uh. That was not as good. Hashtag. She just said hashtag, and I want that in the blooper reel because it was intense. And let's see what else we got. I just I'm a little uh, about this. I called him classes earlier. Well, I mean when I when I one. Hey everybody! We know at this point in the episode you'd probably listening to. Mm, I I said I missed a bird there. Hold on. That was good. You should have just finished with your thought. Yeah, I got, I got it. I got it. You guys stay hydrated. Well, that was a great episode. Blah, blah, blah.